every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts from the Draft Network. And of course, the producer, Chris Schubert, also from the Draft Network. And we got a lot to talk about. It's been a crazy week, week and a half across the NFL. A ton of movement, not only at all the positions, but also at quarterback. We're going to get into all of it here today on the show. And Kyle, I'm anxious to really dive into this quarterback situation because there's like six new teams that have a new quarterback already slated, and we haven't even gotten to the draft. The NFL quarterback carousel is absolutely spinning. Yeah, this is um, this is a turn of events like at this position that we have we have not seen in our careers, Joe. And we've been doing this how long now? Ten years? Yeah. Almost yep. 10 years we've been in this space, and I can't tell you the last time a quarterback market unfolded like what we are seeing in the here and now, and it's a lot of established names going to different places, and the dominoes that are are falling both in the NFL and guys that are getting ready to come into the NFL as rookies as a result. I think there's a lot of fascinating layers here to kind of sink our teeth into in regards to, uh, A, on the AFC side of things, a, a mad scramble to try to stay competitive with a high-level quarterback because you're going to need to have really good quarterback play to make the playoffs this year in the AFC with how good it is. And then B, just some some significant transitions and obviously a big return over on the NFC side of things. What's funny is it feels like for the last couple of years, we've talked about and maybe anticipated a lot of movement within the quarterbacks. And then you got a few guys, but nothing like this. This is this has been crazy. I mean, you're talking about league MVPs being traded amongst teams, Pro Bowlers, oh, high first round picks. I mean, this is this is really, really, really different, and it is going to shape the 2022 NFL season and um, shift the landscape. And so we got a lot to dig into here today, but this quarterback thing is going to be a big part of what we discuss. So, Joe, let's let's start on the AFC side of things because this is where this mad scramble has, has kind of materialized itself. And it's interesting in, in seeing a team like the Indianapolis Colts who made this massive investment into Carson Wentz. They don't have a first-round pick this year. Well, I think it's reasonable to say they upgraded the quarterback position and after trading Carson Wentz away – like they got plus capital on the back end of it. Now they're still at a net loss from what they originally invested in Wentz, but you know Matt Ryan, his fit in Indianapolis, I think this makes them a really interesting team and in that I still wouldn't necessarily put them in the upper echelon of ASC teams, but this certainly has them positioned to be a team that wins 10, 11 games again next year. You know, Kyle, I always bring up that that talking point about the Carolina Panthers and how they've had a different primary starting left tackle every season since uh, 2012. While the Indianapolis Colts, Colts will have had a <laughs> will have a different primary starting quarterback in every season dating back to 2017. And if you go back to 2015, you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the last eight seasons. So it's been uh, it's been quite the revolving door after a, a great stretch with Peyton Manning and then 
the brief career of, of Andrew Luck. But I got to be honest, man, I, I have some optimism here about Matt Ryan going to the Indianapolis Colts. I feel like this is a great situation for him at this point in his career to step in and play his best football where we know they have a really outstanding offensive line. Now they got to get the left tackle thing figured out, but the rest of that group is really, really strong. They're going to run the football really well with that offensive line and Jonathan Taylor. And then, you know, we're talking about a team that plays in the AFC South in a dome, right? So their home games are in a dome and they're going to be playing road games in Jacksonville and in Houston and, I just feel like this is a great spot for Matt, and I love the coaching staff in Indy. I feel like they've done a great job of maximizing talent, um, both in terms of veterans that they've brought in and in some players that hadn't really produced much in their careers and became the best version of themselves with the Colts and even some of the young players that they've drafted from small schools that have come in and, and really been answers for them. So I think it's a great spot for Matt Ryan and you know, somebody from the South is going to the playoffs, probably just the division winner. And I feel like this is a move here that solidifies the quarterback position for them in a way that makes me feel like they're going to give Tennessee a real run here to uh, be the AFC South champions. Yeah. And it's funny how former NFL MVP Matt Ryan is probably the third, fourth most impactful quarterback. Let me ask you this. Who's the biggest quarterback change and why is it not anybody other than Russell Wilson in Denver? As far as the upgrade that exists in that landing spot. Yeah, measuring the upgrade, it's absolutely Russell Wilson. You go from Drew Locke slash Teddy Bridgewater to Russell Wilson changes your football team. And we've been very complimentary of everything about the Denver roster outside a quarterback. And now they have Russ Wilson, right? Now they have Russell Wilson. They, they were the embodiment of we are a quarterback away. And they maintained so much of what makes that roster appealing with who they've been able to keep, what they didn't have to give up, right, to, to, to acquire Russell Wilson, um, developing young talent all over that roster. And now Russell Wilson – who in every way can elevate your franchise steps into this situation. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation there in the AFC West, but uh, Denver answered their biggest question and they have a really good remainder of team. So I, I want to, I don't want to piggyback off of that, but I, I do want to acknowledge a tweet that you sent earlier this week that I think perfectly encapsulates kind of the shifting landscape in the AFC, uh, much of that facilitated by the quarterbacks. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this or not. I do. Five of these teams won't be in the playoffs in 2022. The Bills, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Titans, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. And about half those teams have new quarterbacks. And, mm. you know, being very aggressive in trying to keep up with the, no pun intended, I promise, arms race that exists in this conference. And I, I think the most fascinating team for me is Pittsburgh, right? Because they were a team that was really kind of caught between a rock and a hard place and what they had to work with and 
um, the rest of their roster being in a really good place with the exception of a, an offensive line that's still rebuilding after they lost a lot of pieces ahead of last year. And Ben Roethlisberger walks away and bringing in Mitchell Trubisky. He's the big wild card, right? I mean, it, it's you got a chance to experience how Mitchell Trubisky grew during his time in Buffalo. He didn't play, but not playing might not have been the worst thing in the world for Mitchell Trubisky based on how things ended in Chicago. And that's the fascinating one for me as far as his skill set, what's different about Ben's, what's similar with how Mitch has usually targeted the field versus how Pittsburgh under Matt Canada has attacked the field in the passing game, the athletes they have on the outside. It's the total, total wild card for me in a very, very crowded AFC North. I think what should get you excited if you're a Steelers fan and you bring in Mitchell Trubisky is that you were a playoff team last year with whatever Ben Roethlisberger was, right? I I mean, Hall of Fame quarterback, great career, but the last couple of seasons have been tough to watch. And I feel like, while this is a low bar to clear, that they've improved their quarterback play by bringing in Mitchell Trubisky. And so... At the, as at you the think very about least, you got more a, layers to your offense. Absolutely. There, from the mobility and from the arm talent perspective, he has way more access to the field. And there, there's just there's more you can do. And I hope that Matt Canada's scheme can evolve a little bit here because you don't have to run a pop gun offense with Mitch. You know, I think you should prioritize getting him on the move and taking advantage of that athleticism. But, you know, I know... I know there's been a lot of teams that have gotten better and you wonder if you're Pittsburgh, if you're going to repeat as a playoff team, but at the very minimum, you were a playoff team and you upgraded your quarterback situation. And that should give you a lot of optimism. So let's keep things in the AFC North. I'm interested in a domino that hasn't fallen yet. And that's former number one overall pick Baker Mayfield. Uh, reports were uh, he was disenfranchised with the franchise. Again, no pun intended, but disenfranchised with the (laughs) franchise even before the team's pursuit and eventual trade for Deshaun Watson. But you kind of look around the league right now, and a lot of these landing spots are filled with the exception of, I mean, even Atlanta signing Marcus Mariota, maybe that's not going to prevent you from acquiring a player, but you probably wouldn't be trading assets for a player in a contract year in Baker Mayfield. So where does Cleveland go on that front where they've, they've exhausted their leverage, right? Because Mm. you, you now have Baker's replacement at the quarterback position on the roster. And now you're going to try and trade him with an $18 million cap hit when he's the backup quarterback. Like that's going to be tough to move. Yeah. And that's the thing is there's no way out of this $18 million unless they can find a partner to trade him. Otherwise, they they can't cut him and get out of this money. So they don't have a whole lot of leverage. And we're seeing more and more of these dominoes fall, right? I mean, Atlanta went out and got Marcus Mariota. The Colts traded for Matt Ryan. You're, You're waiting on the Jimmy G domino and the Baker Mayfield domino, and you're running out of spots. I mean, Carolina comes to mind, but they're kind of already sunk in on this Sam Darnold thing 
Uh, that shouldn't prevent you from that shouldn't prevent you from going and getting a quarterback. But when you think about locations where these guys can go, it's like Seattle and Carolina. Every, everybody else has done something somewhat meaningful at the position. So, Chris, I, I know you have some thoughts here, but I, I think we, we really need to kind of uh, marinate on the, the finer details of this Baker Mayfield situation and the contract implications that exist with him. So, you know, let's take keep in mind he's he is on his fifth year option. This shouldn't stop them from and I know they made the they made the mistake of when they traded for Sam Darnold that they picked up his fifth year option and it committed themselves financially for the season. So now you still have Sam's contract on the books and now you're bringing in you would be bringing in in this scenario that we're envisioning. You're bringing in Baker's money, and now you're paying two quarterbacks uh, a lot of money on their fifth-year options. Thirty-six but, million dollars. But you can't you can't publicly posture the way that this team did, right? They have been involved everywhere in trying to upgrade a quarterback. They did it last year when they tried to trade for Matt Stafford. They ultimately ended up with Sam Darnold. That's been a disaster. They were active in all sorts of different fronts in the quarterback market this year. I mean, guys, do we expect them to just take a quarterback? What do they pick? Eighth? They're going to pick a quarterback at eight? Six? Whoever they pick? Not going to pick a quarterback there. That doesn't that doesn't feel in the vision of what we've seen from this, publicly from this ownership and this front office in the media. So, like, Baker's got to go there. They're not going to trade for Jimmy G. Like, it, it's Baker uh, or bust at this point. I, I would disagree. Because I, I feel like Baker Mayfield is yet another half risk for Carolina and you're doubling down on the half risk that you took with Sam Darnold. So yes, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield in the same quarterback room for $36 million. Now you're throwing even more down the toilet unless you can get a pick back with Baker, which some teams have postured that they might want to do. So, but if you're Carolina and and you're going to sit here and preach the gospel about trying to get the quarterback position fixed, don't do half seas again. We've criticized the Indianapolis Colts year over year for doing this, and they just so happen to have stumbled into the best option that they've had in a couple of years, even including Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan. But it doesn't excuse them from trying to do the same process over and over again, which for me, Carolina, do pick one of these quarterbacks, unless Malik Willis is off the board. And if he is, mm. then trade out of that sixth overall pick. If you're Carolina... This is this is the challenge with a team like Carolina that is just bordering on directionless because you feel like this is a lame duck coaching staff with Matt Rule and he's in a make or break season. Well, how do you maximize a make or break season with a raw rookie quarterback at number six overall? Now, I like what they've been able to get done to help their offensive line and free agency. I like that they have good receivers and obviously if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he can you know, be one of the best backs in the game. But if you don't feel like you have confidence in this coaching staff being your coaching staff for the long term, then how do you introduce a rookie quarterback? Because we know how this goes with these these rookie quarterbacks. They come in and the you know they teams draft quarterbacks to save their coaching staff and the coaching staff gets fired and now it's year two and they're changing all these pieces and changing the scheme and it just doesn't work out. I feel like that would be just a major disservice to whatever quarterback Carolina would 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 bring in. Now they don't have to see themselves the same way that I do, but that's kind of my my thoughts about Carolina and a quarterback at six. I don't disagree with you, but at the end of the day, they can't operate like that, right? We can sit on the outside and say that because we're not Carolina. 
But if you're Carolina and you're you're trying to win and you and you're Matt Rule and you're trying to save your job, you're not going to sit here and say, "Yeah, we're probably going to screw this up, so let's not do it." You have to do it, and it's not in the best interest of the player. And I agree with you, but I, I don't know how you come to the conclusion if you are them to not draft a quarterback because the other side of the coin is, well, we just picked our guy. We need more time. What? Okay, let's let's play Matt Rule's own game here, okay? And I, I'm as we've gotten into this conversation, I'm siding more with Chris. Matt Rule last year said, Matt Rule last year, these words came out of his mouth. He, he said, we would rather have Sam Darnold and, Ju- and J.C. Horn than just Justin Fields. That's what he said. Would you rather have Baker Mayfield and Charles Cross or just Kenny Pickett? It's a great point, Joe. What's a great point. What's the proverbial definition of insanity? But see, I I, want to push back here because this is not, it's not the same exact decision. It's not. Baker is a much because you you could have had a slam dunk quarterback in Justin Fields last year. But they but they didn't make that decision. So you 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 can't that decision is good. It's done. That decision is over. You cannot look at that and bring that back into the equation. They made that decision. They have to live with the ramifications of that decision. Now we look at this as an isolated situation. And if you're telling me that this is the same as trading for Sam Darnold, I just disagree with you. I think Baker is a much better player than Sam. And I think taking Baker, and again, if it doesn't work out, I'm looking at this from the Carolina Panthers. I'm not looking at this from Matt Rule's perspective. If you're the Carolina Panthers, you trade for Baker Mayfield, and it works, great. You've got yourself an answer. You can work out a long-term deal with him at the end of the season. No problem. You can franchise tag him if you want. If it doesn't work out... You wash your hands of Baker Mayfield. You wash your hands of Sam Darnold, and you get a totally clean slate to take a quarterback in 2023. Because the rest of the roster is not in terrible shape. It's not great, but it's not in terrible shape. And so that's the direction I would go in. Give yourself a one-year chance with Baker. And again, if it doesn't work out, just wash your hands with it. Don't trade for Baker and give him a nice three-year contract extension. Don't do that. Trade for him, give yourself a one-year window, and if need, you can cut bait on all of this and move on if you're the Panthers. Okay, so let me ask you this. If you're Cleveland, what do you want back for Baker Mayfield? Just give me a three. Move on. Give me a three and I'll just Carolina doesn't have one. Carolina doesn't have one. Mm. Does it need to be a three this year? Be three next year? Yeah, that's that's Cleveland might want that down on your wasteful spending at the quarterback position by giving away more future assets. (laughs) Let's just keep Cleveland might want that because like the Saints with (laughs) <laughs> but Cleveland might want that because they traded future picks. They didn't give up anything this year for Deshaun except for the first rounder. They they might be interested in recouping some no, some picks in they, later they years. They did give 107 when they updated the terms of that deal. Oh, it was that that, that came was out. Like, that's kind of okay, slipped okay. under the that slipped under the radar. But yeah, that's a good point though. I mean, they they do need to replenish long term. I don't know, but I mean, Carolina, Chris. I, I guess I kind of fundamentally disagree that you know this decision is not eventually related to all of the other decisions that they have made because this regime in its entirety set the tone year one top 10 pick and they drafted a nose tackle mm-hmm. they they're pre- they preached the rebuild and the draft dude said they wrote a letter to the, to to the ticket holders he said it's going to be painful right. we're going to strip it down right. and then they didn't we're, we're going to strip it down 
but we're going to pick a nose tackle. And, t- and Derek Brown's an excellent football player. Right. But from a, a, the perspective of we have no extra future capital. This entire regime has been established from day one that they were going to put themselves behind the eight ball because they did not have the assets to pursue a high-level quarterback in the draft. And they tried to have their cake and eat it too. And now you're looking at your eighth slice of cake. You're stuffed. You're at the table. (laughs) You feel sick. It's too much chocolate. But guess what? Bottoms up. Because if we want to try to fix it, we're going to have to eat that eighth piece of cake and bring Baker Mayfield in and give up another top 100 pick and give up another $20 million almost in cap space this year. $40 million almost combined between Baker and Sam. Send him to Seattle. They just send him to Seattle. They just gave DJ Moore a contract extension. They are not stripping this thing down. They are not bringing this down to the bare bones and building it back up. They are going to try right. to do but this that on was the fly. The, that was the messaging in 2019. Right. That's exactly my point. Because if you were going to do it earnestly, the way that you wrote your letter to the season ticket holders and talked about how challenging the rebuild was going to be, you'd have got rid of some players and pulled assets and been by design, a team in a rebuild instead of a young, promising roster that's in quarterback purgatory for forever. Which is where they're at. Is there another team we should be talking about that isn't Seattle or Carolina when it comes to Baker Mayfield? Would you take the field? If I gave you a binary choice, Seattle or Carolina or the field, is anybody actually going to take the field? Uh, Is there a mystery team out there? I really would have loved to have seen Atlanta not sign Mariota so that Baker could have gone there. And but I I would take those two over the field. And then I'd love to hear both of your answers. And then we need to hammer the Falcons for how their past decisions have led to a quarterback situation as well. (laughs) Uh, I would take Seattle or Carolina. I will not take the field on this one. Yeah, I'll take Seattle Joseph. or Carolina. There's There's been some rumblings that uh, Seattle was pretty fond. They were pretty fond of Baker, right, coming out. So there's right, a reasonable there chance that they could like go after a, him. A phone call with that, with Russ and the top pick, yeah. if I remember correctly, yeah. some whispers of yeah. that. And materialize, for, obviously, but... So Seattle's obviously in play. They've also said that they loved Drew Locke when he was coming out, too. But let's... Come on, nobody would rather have... Nobody would rather have Drew locked over Baker. And then Carolina's in play, obviously. I mean, even if they do have Sam Darnold, this is a team that has been quick to move on from guys like Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like, they didn't let Teddy Bridgewater stop them from trading from Sam Darnold. So I don't think that trading for Sam Darnold is going to stop them from trading for Baker Mayfield. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think of all the options available, continuing with Sam Darnold, trading for Baker Mayfield, drafting a quarterback at six, trading for Jimmy G, the one that gives me the best chance if I'm at rules, Baker Mayfield. Man, and we just got, we we had this entire conversation and we didn't even mention Jimmy G yet. <laughs> like, right, a, a pretty accomplished I'll, I'll quarterback you, in the league, right? I will give you an A or the field question. Jimmy's with San Francisco or Jimmy's with anybody else? In 2022. San Francisco. Because guess what? I don't think Trey Lance is ready. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. A one-year starter at North Dakota State, right? This guy has like 315 passing attempts for his entire career entering the NFL at the FCS level. There's no way 
there's no way that it should be unreasonable to think that he's not ready in year two. This team just went to the NFC Championship game. They're not ready to blow it up yet. And so I think Jimmy G stays with the 49ers. So guys, as we continue this quarterback conversation, Daniel Jeremiah put out a tweet recently, and this is what it reads. He said, the Buffalo-Kansas City playoff game was a turning point moment in the NFL. The quality of quarterback play was off the charts, and it had to hit home with every head coach, GM, and owner. Is my quarterback good enough to compete with that? And I think a lot of us came away with that same thought process. I, I listened to a lot of different NFL analysis, and, and that it was a lot of it was centered around that. And so I think it's true, right? If you want to go places in the NFL, you have to be able to compete with the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and that means you having a quarterback that can compete with them. And so my biggest takeaway from, from this tweet from Daniel Jeremiah was that I agree with you, DJ. And because I agree with you, I find it crazy that in response to watching that game between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, that the Minnesota Vikings said, you know what? You know what we need? We need another year of Kirk Cousins. Sign us up for $35 million next season. And you know what the Washington Commanders said we need to do? We need to go trade for Carson Wentz. To me, that's crazy. That's your answer to that question. Your answer to that question is extend Kirk Cousins and trade for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was unplayable at the end of the year last year for the Annapolis Colts, just like he was all season in 2020 with the Philadelphia Eagles. What do you, what do you think he's going to be for you in Washington? I would respectfully disagree as it pertains to Kirk Cousins, mainly because there are financial implications here that helped make this decision. Now, we could sit here and pretend all we want, that everything's sunshine and rainbows and the salary cap's not real, and just throw 10 years of void years on the back end of every contract, and then you can have every player for a million dollars. Like, it it doesn't work that way, right? So the Kirk Cousins thing, at least that one for me, was you made your bed a couple years ago with what you originally decided you were going to pay Kirk Cousins, and you have just kind of been robbing Peter to pay Paul as far as it maintains that large cap hit that Kirk Cousins is due. And let's be fair to Kirk Cousins. I understand he's a 500 quarterback for his career. First of all, the guy deserves a ton of credit for having two ties on his resume in today's (laughs) NFL as far as wins and losses go. But he's 59, 59, and two, right? The incomplete epitome in 120 starts of purgatory. But if you look at the production that Kirk has had, and we can call it empty production if we want to, and that's fine, but he's thrown for over 12,000 yards in the last three seasons. He's thrown for over 90 touchdowns in the last three seasons. He's got a quarterback rating over 100 in each of the last three seasons. He had four game-winning drives this past year. Willing Minnesota on to some wins. So... I know Kirk Cousins is not of the caliber of Patrick Mahomes, and he's not of the caliber of Josh Allen. And if you didn't have one of those caliber of quarterbacks, yes, it was absolutely demoralizing to watch that football game and be like, these dudes aren't on the same planet that we are. We're playing a different game. But from Minnesota's standpoint, I didn't think it was realistic for them to transition out of that. And what was the alternative that was better 
this year with the financial implications that we're going to be carried with that? I don't have that answer. Do you? Well, that to me, to me, that's where it gets interesting. I would admit that Kirk Cousins is a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. He's probably in that 13, 14, 15 range. Uh, I think you could be completely average why football you, team. Why do you hate Kirk Cousins so much? I think you could be a complete, a perfectly <laughs> average football team with, with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. But to me, I just didn't see the urgency. Like, just let this year play out. See what he looks like in Kevin O'Connell's system. And then make that decision after the year. I mean, is he going to be – is it – if he's $35 million right now and he plays well, like wh- where does that go? Does it go to 40? Is that $5 million uh, good enough risk to uh, have the opportunity to be free of that contract after next year if it doesn't work out and now you can attack, attack next offseason with a clear vision on finding your next answer in year two with your coaching staff? I just don't know why you had to do that right now. Well, they were they were going to play this year out either way, right? Would you agree that, yeah. that Kirk was going to be the starting quarterback for Minnesota this year, no matter what? Of course, yeah. So what they have what they have done is they have positioned themselves to instead of letting Kirk walk, they can trade Kirk next year after the start of the league calendar year before June first. And their dead cap is quote-unquote only. I say quote-unquote only because it's still a large number, but it's only $18.7 million. They will save $17.5 million against the cap if they trade him. So you look at this quarterback market with how red-hot it's been and the urgency and some of these teams that sign the Marcus Mariotas of the year and the Mitchell Trubisky's of the the world to these two-year deals that don't have a lot of guaranteed money, if this carries over year over year, Minnesota might be sitting here saying, hey, we're ready to make a transition, but Kirk Cousins, he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, and you can take him on, and you know, you, the cash that you're going to owe him is less than $20 million. I think that's an interesting long-term strategy domino here for Minnesota. I think that's a great point. If you know, if the Colts would give up a third-round pick for, for Matt Ryan, there will be some team that would give up a third-round pick next offseason for Kirk Cousins. On a one-year I think it's a perfectly reasonable position. dollars in new cash. Yeah. So you're okay. So I came into this very critical of Minnesota. I've come out of this thinking, wow, they maybe did the best possible thing that they could have done because he'll be cheaper for next year if he works out, and if they want to move on, they'll have the opportunity to trade him. Because let's be honest, that opportunity should be there. I I, I stand and here they, a, a man whose mind has been changed. Well, you know, that's the the nuance with these contracts are weird because even the Kirk extension has two years of void years on it. And the way that they structured his 2022, his base salary is $10 million. Um, and, and the fine print is he does have a $20 million roster bonus with $10 million of that being due on in season in 2022. So they're spreading money around here, but the 2023 roster bonus, 15 of it is due on the 3rd of March, and then you wait another six months so they could even eat some of that roster bonus to guarantee that that cash that a new team is owed is going to be closer to that $17 million instead of if you trade on them within the first week of the calendar year, you're going to have to pay them $30 million instead. 
Chris. Kirk Cousins is going to be the perfect Baker Mayfield replacement in Carolina. I can't wait. No. (laughs) We've come full circle. We've come full circle. The perfect Baker Mayfield replacement for head coach, whoever. Right. (laughs) We'll do the one-year bridge of Kirk Cousins. Hey, let's talk about, was the other team that you mentioned Philadelphia? Uh, Washington for trading for Carson Washington. Wentz. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that has aged extremely poorly after seeing what some of the other quarterbacks that have been available for and what the, the cost was for them. Right. They I think that's the it. most egregious thing. <laughs> they rushed into it, Kyle. They said, let's, let's get this done. Let's get this done. We got to get, we got to get, we got Carson Wentz. What was the rush? Indy, Indy sat there and badmouthed this guy for months. You knew he was going to go. They panicked. I'd rather be Seattle or Carolina at quarterback right now than Philly, or excuse me, Washington with Carson Wentz. Because they gave up a three this year and a conditional pick next year? Yes. Jeez. Speaking of bad decision-making, when do we talk about the Atlanta Falcons? A team that had the number four overall pick, and they made the decision to draft Kyle Pitts. Excellent, phenomenal talent. One of the best tight end prospects we've seen in years. Put over 1,000 yards up. Chris made me buy him a box of Built Bar as a result. Lost the bet. It's fine. I don't resent you for it, Chris. I'm glad you won the bet. I had the under on 1,000 yards, and he just snuck it in. If it was 16 games, he wouldn't have made it. But when they made that decision, it was the same thought process that we pointed to with the Carolina Panthers and said, you have a brand new head coach. You have a brand new GM. This is a brand new regime. You have an opportunity to take a quarterback at number four. Justin Fields was there. Mac Jones was there. Both of those, let's be let's be fair to Mac Jones. And we, we can acknowledge that Justin Fields has better physical tools and I don't think was given a chance to showcase himself in Chicago with what they had at their disposal this year. And Mac Jones went into a much more favorable position and has lesser physical tools, but you saw what he was able to do this year because of the environment that he was in. And maybe Atlanta couldn't have provided that to him and that's fine. But the whole thesis of the the discussion was, okay, you're picking this high and you're not going to take a quarterback in a really good quarterback class. This means you're not rebuilding. You're retooling, right? Mm-hmm. You don't even get a year down the road. And you kick the tires on Deshaun Watson, and it facilitates a trade. And now all of a sudden, you've traded 36-year-old Matt Ryan, who we assumed, hey, Arthur Smith probably sees a lot of the same things that you could do with Ryan Tannehill like he did when he was the OC in Tennessee. Uh, he's probably fine running with this guy for for the next three years through the original life of his contract as the head coach of the team. And then they'll kind of see where they're at and kind of slow play some guy. No, you trade him for a three. Trade him for a three. And now you have Marcus Mariota and blank. And you're picking eighth Felipe behind Franks. at least one if two teams who are quarterback hungry who might end up picking the high tools quarterback that you might be able to sell your fan base on because he trains near Atlanta. Being Malik, Malik Willis. Willis. He's, he's going two. He's going two to Detroit. Um, you are so steadfast in this, and it's bugging me. <laughs> okay. It's going two to Detroit. Um, 
Atlanta's doing the thing we just talked about Carolina doing, right? Yes. We talked about like, this is exactly the thing. Like the, you stayed at whatever it was, eight and picked Derek Brown. You you didn't take the opportunity to move back, stockpile assets at any point. And here you are, Atlanta. Players are fleeing your facility left and right. I mean, the players, mass exodus of players, not bringing anyone in. And um, you made the decision now that you need to, to rebuild after you wasted a year. And I, that's a – that's a problematic thing, man. That's um, that's not good. That they they still don't have. They're they're not even close to having the pieces needed to run either system, offense and defense. Right with Arthur, what Arthur Smith wants to do on the offensive side of the football, and Dean Pease on defense. I, I mean, they're they're so far off from a talent perspective. Now, I think that they've finally gotten to the right point. They needed to blow this thing up and rebuild, but what whatever they tried to do last year was not great. Like they thought they could compete. And like to their credit, they were in it for a while later than I thought they would. But, you know, with Calvin Ridley not being back, I mean, this this team in terms of offensive skill players, this is clearly the worst team in the NFL right now. We, we, your wide receiver one's Alameda Zacchaeus? I mean, this is not a good situation here. And Marcus Mariota is your quarterback? I mean, I know that there's some appeal because there's some carryover because they were together with Tennessee, and you like that for Mariota, but he's got to be supported. And when I look at this roster, he is not supported. And, oh, by the way, Joe, as we we get ready to shut this thing down, uh, the Falcons are a a really interesting team to see how they've handled this offseason in its entirety uh, because they've lost three free agents that would have qualified them for compensatory picks and they signed players that were downgrades at every spot and cost themselves getting any compensatory picks as well. So like you look at what Atlanta is doing and you think about the quarterback decision, the decision with number four overall last year, and now how they're strategizing in free agency. And it's like, you guys know you do need a rebuild now, right? Like that strategy needs to come around, but that's, um, that's the beauty of this draft process in its entirety, right? Is there's so many layers to it. There's so much strategy. There's so many different ways that you can choose to go about it. And uh, we are seeing specifically at the quarterback position, Joe, I guess I would ask you this as we shut it down. Do you think this merry-go-round and musical chairs of NFL quarterbacks, do you think it tells you more about the environment of quarterbacking needed in today's NFL, or do you think it tells you more about the draft class for the 2022 mm. draft? Wow, that's a great question. I think it definitely says something about both. Um, last year, 2021, we had teams, you know, five of these quarterbacks going in the in the first round of the top 20 picks. And that's not going to happen again. And so I don't think teams are going to be able to cure their appetite for improved quarterback play in the draft. And it's leading them to this market, which has proven, you know, you're seeing teams willing to part with some pretty big names at quarterback. And so I think it says something about both, but probably more about the draft and teams, you know, teams being desperate for an answer. And, you know, when some of the high level quarterbacks have started to move and that, that tone was set with Russell Wilson, and this could have been even more crazy with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> if they didn't point. decide to iron that one out. Uh, but when the Russell domino, Ru- Russell Wilson domino fell, it sort of set the tone, right? It's like, if that guy can move, just about anybody can move. So let's let's try to get some new names and some new faces. 
uh, to facilitate positive change within these teams. And as of course, as we know in the NFL, not every story is going to have that happy ending. And some of these we will mm-hmm. be looking back on in a year, having very critical conversations in the same messaging in the same tone that we are now looking back at Carolina and Atlanta. So that's the goal. Don't be the main character when we do this concept again next year. We hope you guys enjoyed this conversation on the quarterback situation in the NFL. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, Draft Dudes. Talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.